Bonjour. Bonjour. I'm Tamsin. I'm Kate. Welcome to the Dame de Paradis, a podcast about the art of lost living in rural France. We're neighbors and friends, and together we explore the gentle and seasonal gifts of a slowed down life in a quiet corner of Gascony. Some years ago, Tamsin showed me an abandoned ruin of a medieval convent in a hamlet called Paravi or Paradis. We joked that our rural French lives were nearly as heavenly and cloistered. The desire to reach out and exchange conversation was born. Welcome to these conversations and cake inspired by that first visit to meet the lost damned de Paradis. Yeah, we haven't got a nice fire to look at. Oh, that is not nice that we're not having to be cold. I mean, we're not cold. Yeah, well, I was thinking, where are we going to sit? Because actually, it would be really nice to sit in the garden and hear the birdsong. Yeah, but, but it's, it's hot. Too, it's too it's hot. really hot. Yeah, I actually, sorry, I apologize for coming empty-handed because I was going to pick some flowers on my way out, hit the door, and went, whoa, it's so hot out there because it's very cool in my especially the barn area, yeah. it's really cool because it's so insulated. Yeah, old stone houses. And it's just like, I was just, okay, let's just get in the car quick. <laughs> Run. Chica just looked at me like, um, well, I don't know where you're going, but I'm heading back in my crate. <laughs> I know so, the dogs still think that they're going to be able to go out, but we're not walking till nine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's really, yeah. But madly, I am... Um, I nice, got the oven are. on. They look nice, don't they, these cakes? Yeah. So, so they're made with buckwheat or not? Um, well, the darker ones yeah. are made with buckwheat and cassava. And the lighter ones are made from uh, uh, ground almonds and cassava. Uh-huh. But I was inspired because I think it was yesterday morning or the day before I was digging a corner of the garden out that I'd been looking at for ages and I suddenly thought, come on, you know, get on with it, just tidy it up. And then that brought the whole cut down the verbena, the lemon verbena. Oh, yeah, that was lovely. And so then I dried it and then I was like, well, we can have lemon verbena tea. Yes. And lemon verbena cakes. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. So I looked nice. online, but I think, you know, like all these things, um, well, number one rule, never test a cake on the queen of cakes. Oh. <laughs> I'm thinking, you're the queen. Oh, no, not at all, you know. I got, remember that chocolate cake I made one time with, that you came over, it was dry as dust. I'd use gluten-free <laughs> flowers. I, I couldn't bear to throw it away because I'd use all this really great chocolate in it. Yeah. So I put it in the freezer. I've crumbled it up and I've used it to make cookies and it's amazing. It's like a dark chocolate crisp crumble mm. and uh, I, it was just a combination of the kind of the packaged gluten-free flour yeah. with the rice flour and all that. just was too dry for a cake, yeah. but it worked out great to put in with these meringues. So. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> often like that, isn't it? I it's don't give up when I when yeah. I have a failure. It's like there's yeah. a way to make this work. Yeah, well, but round. They, they look and smell fantastic. They do. I mean, if you're brave enough, you can try one. Yeah, yeah first, I am. Like, this one I think I overcooked them. That was one mm. thing. Oh, um, that's beautiful. So the first round were overcooked little bit too sweet and what didn't I like about them they weren't moist enough mm. so the second round I uh, changed the flour um, made them put almond meal in because mm. I thought ground almonds gonna make them sweeter but then I realized I didn't have 
um, any lemons. I only had a half a lemon instead of a whole lemon. Mm -hmm. And I put them in. They'd been cooking for about five minutes. I was clearing up, and then I found the baking powder on the side. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Makes me think of my friend Bae when she was first married. She was like 18 years old and didn't know how to cook at all. And she made crepes for dinner or for the dessert or whatever for the first night. And she didn't put any flour in them. So she essentially... How she did you make a crepe without Well, she flour? did. She made like an omelette. She didn't realize. She was so young and inexperienced. She didn't even know you were supposed to put flour in it. <laughs> so she had the egg and the milk part. That was it. Oh. Well... But they, the flavor of the lemon verbena, which really comes through, which is really nice. Yeah. Because it's it, it's not lemon. It's... Yeah, you know, it's yeah. lemon verbena has this really with, on with such with uh, lemon zest. But yeah. actually, now you talk about your chocolate um, faux pas. These would actually be really nice, sliced thinly and turned into bread and butter pudding. Because mm -hmm. they, if 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 they, or something like that, they're not bad. They're very good. Are they? Mm -hmm. Just a bit too. They just were in the oven a bit too long. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. They're just a little dense, but I think that's nice for yeah. like a small cu cupcake muffin yeah, thing. If it was a big cake, Something to maybe. sustain you in the afternoon. Mm. Well, mm. I haven't had cake for ages. Well, we haven't done this for ages, so this no. is great. It's good. It's good to get back on mm -hmm. track, isn't it? It's been a busy time. Really, that's what you have to do It's just sort of... Um, keep re getting back on track every time something happens. And we've had lots of things thrown our way, all of us. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I love you and love these beautiful little cups. Mm. I know I'm gathering my pottery bits. Um, at some point, you know, when I've reached a stage where I'm ready to go, ta-da! Um, it'll be really nice to, you know, I share it on my Instagram, but they haven't quite got to that point where they they're something, but they're fun. Mm, mm. That's the most important thing. Yeah, I was thinking about that the, uh, yesterday because I've stopped writing as much because it's it's summer and summer's just busy. You know, it's mm -hmm. like from so we did our last podcast in May, yeah, think, didn't we? And um, then it's retreats, and then the garden goes billio, and the grass goes billio, and the and people start showing up. People start showing up. It's difficult to keep any regular steady flow it's like you just got to chuck everything at what's happening yeah and i feel like over the years i've always said like i look forward to august because it's not like in the french way that august is your vacation but everything slows down or stops here yeah. you know it, i mean things don't completely close like it's not like paris but people are in a very holiday mood and but for me my business has always been very quiet my, you know the, all the teaching or people coming so August was always quiet for me, which is unusual. And then friends would come. And so it would be like a different feeling of the, of getting ready for clients, guests, mm -hmm. doing things for people. This was a way of undoing and having a break. You know, not necessarily me going somewhere, but just having a break. So when I realized that, oh, it's August coming. Yeah, you know, we're, I'm ready to just sort of take a break and do things yeah. differently than I... I've been doing them, and that means Slow sort of down. getting back to what I want to do for myself more. Yeah, yeah. I know I've got um, several guests coming for August for open house um, retreat, 
and I was thinking the same. It's like you you have to move with the heat. Mm. I've always been quite. I don't know. Maybe I had this. Um, oh, what's the word? Subliminal or sort of subconscious structure that I felt was necessary. If you're coming on a yoga retreat, you've got to get your your expectations are you've got to have this structure that provides the support and there is a structure that provides a certain amount of rest but it has to be different in august because it's too hot so it's quite nice actually you know for the first time thinking well i'm going to do the same thing but differently yes yeah and change it and not be rigid and so that because the afternoon no one wants to practice yoga no it's too hot you know, it's the, we we're lucky this uh, here this year we haven't had that horrible heat. A lot of places in the southern Europe have oh. been really slammed. It's been, I think, one of the nicest summers. So, you know, with temperatures not so extreme, cooling down at night. But there's this. But August is sort of relentless, though. Even though it's not that hot. It's still full on every day, every day. And the, by the time you get to, you know, after lunch for me is, you know, there's nothing I can start. Mm. So I might as well just I don't take know if it's going to be like that this year. Because know. often August is really humid and we have lots of electrical storms. Yeah. But we've had lots We've had of storms, storms all summer, yeah. yeah Since so May, we've had storms. Quite different. But, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Famous. Yeah, anything can happen. Anything. But there, there is. Well, but I don't feel like I have a new garden's plant or the garden's producing. Yeah. It's been weed, the weeds are slowing down even, which is nice. Yeah. You know, I realize that. It's like, oh, we've been battling, like pulling out grass forever. And now it's like, oh, we don't have to do it so much anymore. The, the time of like growing the seeds sprouting has sort of passed. Yeah, and so. I've done a load. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, no, no. I mean, but for for the sense of uh, weeds and things like oh, that, yeah, to, you have yeah, to yeah. battle them, you know, with all your spring planting because everything is shooting. Yeah. Now it's like the things that you plant deliberately. Yeah, I've just planted. I'm getting ready to plant some of uh, the chicories now as well. Mm. But everything that was planted in the spring is already taken over and well rooted, and yeah. all you have to do is go out and pick cucumbers and. I feel like the latent gardener. It's like the the veg is just coming into, like the tomatoes. So I'm I'm late in the year, but the tomatoes are just turning red. The orse or the sorrel is really in full full leaf, as they say. But um, I just planted. It's amazing, actually. A week ago. This is the difference between now yes. and spring. Yes, yeah, because the soil spring. is really warm. Yeah, and the, so they, 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 they have grown. Ten, the uh, haricobas I put in as grains have grown 10 centimeters yeah. a week. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. In fact, I have, it's a good time to plant them up right now, too, for September, you know, like September, October. September and October, and I need to get some in. Yeah. We had planted a big patch of haricobas, mm-hmm. and I think a cat, the cat used it as a litter box. So there's only three little plants that survived. Oh. And so I've got room, and that'll be plenty for me to start with, and then I can plant the rest fill in. Yeah, it's funny, mm. isn't it, how I, I I only got three beans that survived. The rest got eaten by slugs because I think I put them in too soon. Mm. And they haven't really produced an awful lot of beans either. I was expecting them to grow right up the pole. 
Mm. Uh, and they've hardly got anywhere. Mm. So, um, what kind of beans? They are uh, thin green beans. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the flat ones. I don't like flat harigobe. I like the. I don't know what you call them. They're just green beans, aren't they? No, that was mine. Your little sneak peek. Yeah, Edie. Does. That long nose can reach right over. She does love a cake. That. Yeah, Chica has a sweet tooth as well. You are too too alike, aren't you? Well, she's a bit confused as to why she's not had a walk today. But too hot, baby. I had a really productive morning, so um, that was more important than. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's lovely walking at sunset. Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, I've not been walking the dog because of my foot healing, but um, Christina's been walking her, and she's just moved to walking her after dinner, mm-hmm. said it before. And it's really, she said, it's so nice out there, and there are not many people either. Yeah, the end of And they day. get a good, you know, they get a, and then by the time she comes back, she's ready just to sort of unwind. So, yeah. yeah, we were going to, we had this idea, didn't we, that we were going to go through our list of, the top 10, uh, I don't know if they're habits or uh, top 10 slow living ways. Top tips. Top tips for slow living. Or the things that that maybe make us feel uh, imbue a slow life. What do you think is the most important thing that you do? Cook my food from scratch. That's number one, because I think my food structures the day. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, because I never even think about it, but that is actually, that's, of course, my whole being is to do that. <laughs> but I don't ever think of it being unusual. Yeah. But you're right. It's really important. Yeah. It's a gift, isn't it? It's such a treat. Yeah. Even uh, um, today, I well, I started it yesterday. We have a ton of cherry tomatoes in the garden because they all came up in the compost that so we put in oh, all wow. the beds. So there are cherry tomatoes growing, and I quit pulling them out. But as we were, you know, paint, planting earlier in the year, I just thought, oh, whatever. I'll let them, you know, just live in here. And now there are a big bowl every two days of cherry tomatoes and some of the others, but they're so sweet. So I decided that yesterday I would make, I would cook them down and make a sauce. Mm-hmm. And so just a very simple, like, ragu with just an onion, not even garlic, just an onion, a little olive oil in the pan and cook down a little bit of water. Mm-hmm. And then I would set it aside and I would pull the skins out by using my food mill. So I did that this morning and I was going to heat it back up. And then we had a piece of magray duck breast, a couple pieces that didn't get eaten the other night. So we chopped those up. I say we because I have a helper with me, so she's doing it while I'm doing that. And and in the end, and then there was some leftover roasted garlic, so I put that. But pretty soon I have this beautiful ragu to mm-hmm. use for a new meal yeah. that hadn't you know that hadn't been thought of and had i said oh i'm going to go make something go to the store i'll buy a jar of bolognese or you know it's just like it was a natural part to weave it into what i was doing over the last mm-hmm. two days it didn't take long no but it took 
some thought and it took you know some um, just attention to doing what I was mm. doing. I think that's definitely the difference as well when you're growing food because it's the first year I've really grown. I mean, I cannot say my protege is anything significant, but it's the first real attempt I've had at growing food, and it's changed the way that I'm eating, which I'm I'm really enjoying. In fact, I would say it's probably changed the way I'm living because I've totally slowed to the rhythm of watering plants mm -hmm. and that's my morning practice which it's funny i was walking up and down the flower beds and i was thinking i can i can be quite goal orientated and impatient <laughs> and you realize when you're walking up and down and you're watering what's growing and what's not growing and why it's growing and and what's got eaten that you really wanted to be there. And I was so upset that I'd lost my spinach. And I don't know why it died really early on. And then it's kind of like the letting go process of, well, in a way, it doesn't matter because all that matters is that I just show up and I water. Mm. And what comes, comes. And what comes on the table, comes on the table. And so the whole experience of eating is just more... It flows with more ease. I'm really, really, yeah, so it's slower. It's it's interesting because I've been working on writing this book and I've divided it into three parts, and this is part three, which is an over a long, long period of time, understanding about cooking, understanding about more in-depth food became when I started to really grow, you know, yeah. my, my own food, yeah. not to supply everything because there's so much food grown in this area, it's sort of silly to compete with my cabbage growing neighbors. I don't need to do that. But the idea that I can go out and clip enough chards, you know, Swiss chard to, to add some greens to the meal, mm. or I can just take, a, it, it has completely changed the way I, I cook. But that was, it's a slow, it's a slow understanding. And then when you realize, like you never, you know, just don't want to buy anything and let it rot in the refrigerator again. No, so. and it tastes so different. Like I've got chicory leaves that I've never seen in the market. Yeah. And just a little chicory leaf, a little sorrel, a little avocado with some black rice and yeah. some aubergine parmigiana without the cheese. Like heaven. Yeah. So good. I thought, oh, it's just a really nice summer summer dish so i don't know what's going to happen in the winter we'll go back to our pumpkin but right now I'm well, enjoying, <laughs> yeah I'm luckily i planted a lot of plump pumpkins as well which is great yeah. i'll share it with you no, thanks. <laughs> what's your fun. what's your number what's number two oh i i think the not planning so far ahead i'm it's funny i, I know people over the years have looked at you know, mean thing. Oh, how spontaneous I am, or whatever. Um, you know, I do this, I do that. I f go with the wind, but I don't really. I, I, I always have a long term goal. Mm -hmm. It might be, you know, two or three years out. It might be five to ten years out. But this, it's there behind things, and so it's always sort of kind of driving me to make my intermediate or short term decisions. But uh, in what I've really come to recently is saying, have faith and trust that I'll get to those goals that I want that are important. I don't have to sort of be working all the time in my brain 
to sort of match up and say, is this going to advance me? I just get up in the morning. And then when I get up in the morning, I trust that my day is going to be good. I'm going to be busy. There are things I'm going to do. It's going to be productive. I think productivity was always like, you know, hanging over my head. Am I going to get to these goals? I trust myself and I let myself not be so planned. And I'm amazed at how much I'm getting done. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and it's just like, because it's like, guess what? It happens like clockwork. A big burst of energy in the morning, which carries me basically all through lunch, into lunch. And then I'm excited to stop because I really want to stop yeah. so I can look at it later. Something will happen in the afternoon to distract me. I will have a nap. And then the, I have the end of the day to sort of wrap things up and do something yeah. for myself. or And I, I don't it, have to worry about it. It, really it will has, happen. Yeah, it does. It does happen. And I think it really makes a difference when you're living seasonally because you have to get, you know, summertime's busy, everything's going on. And so whatever happens, you're moving with the sunshine and you know that you've got tiny windows and if you miss it, you just get so far behind mm. that you, you can't. So in some ways, it gives you permission to say, well, right now I've actually got to get out in the garden and I've got to do this, this and this. And I've got a stack of things behind me that need doing, but they're going to have to wait. And, and yet they don't really wait that long. Because no, you manage. And so I think there's something about the, the maybe it's just the pace of the garden and the pace of nature that stops the mind from taking over. Mm. You know, it's like that whole thing, isn't it? When you want to be productive, you can create a whole load of stress about why you're not. You can waste a load of time, mm -hmm. and you can create a whole load of stress about why you're not getting it done. But when it's filled with the garden or the stuff that's seasonal. Um, as they say, the busier you are, the busier you get done mm -hmm. in a slow way. Yeah, so I, I do find that really helps. Yeah, I think that the idea of these big ideas, big projects has fallen away from me. I, yeah, I do. I mentioned a book. That's a big project. But I taking smaller bites of it, like, like working in the garden, because it gets hot very early. I'm up early, but I need an hour in the morning. It, you know, that's yeah. a, but that's enough. Yeah. And then, you know, it takes us, I, I, it takes a full hour to really to water the garden too. Yeah. So if I'm going to water the garden, that's all I'm going to do. And if somebody else is going to do it, then I can t harvest things or check or, yeah. you know, see that things are, go are going the way, weeding or, yeah. or whatever. But then that's enough, really. It seems enough. And I can do another hour of something. Um, that is going to lead me down the road to what I want to do, but I don't need to devote a whole day to it. I don't, that you know, the forty-hour work week it doesn't have to be imposed on your own life. It's fine when you go work with somebody else. And no, but it also doesn't mean you know when you're describing the way you work, it doesn't mean that that you're not getting things done. I oh think no, it's very productive. Yeah, exactly. There's a different quality to what you're doing, and I th I think there's also a um, you don't waste time. So personally, I mean, I'm talking from my own experience, but I'm sure you're the same. You know, there's less time wasted because it's more intentional, the approach to work. And it, there's this natural flow. You know, I was thinking the other day how, as I approach 
okay, I'm not 50 yet, I'm 49 in a month, but <laughs> as I approach that point, um, there's a book by Tara Moore called Playing It Big. And I thought, oh, it's so funny, isn't it? Women coming into this second phase of their life, so I've been told, start foundations and do the greatest work of their life and start to play it big. And I'm, and I'm you know, certain there's an element of that, but actually just really enjoying playing it small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And like making a little universe within my own corner. Um, and that simplicity being the bedrock of great things. And I don't know whether I'm doing great things or not, to be honest. But in fact, it's not even relevant, is it? It's just the... No, well, I, recently I wrote as, uh, something about... Um, you know, as I've turned 70, so we're, yeah. you know, I'm 71, and that um, this idea like, oh, you're on your downhill, or you're, you know, you're culturally, we're completely surrounded by um, negative, negative thoughts about aging, which we won't necessarily have to go too far into that. But, but I realized like, oh, that, that has, is so false, because right now, I think I'm doing the work that I've been practicing getting ready for for the yeah. last 30 years. I'm slow. I just admit it. I am slow. I will take, I'm an escargot, and I will take <laughs> so long to do something, if I'm, especially if I'm enjoying it. I don't want to rush through things. And I was writing about the garden. You know, the garden's a great metaphor in life. And I was writing about things going to seed and how that is a negative thing. People say, oh, she's gone to seed or she's let herself go to seed or they've let that house go to seed. And I thought, what is that about? Going to seed is the whole point of a plant is going to seed. It's the whole point of what you do so you can continue to create the universe and renew the forest or preserve for next year's food and going to seed isn't a bad thing yeah. and i realized no i'm just coming to the point where i'm coming to the fruition isn't the fruit but the seed the fruit produces is the point of it i wonder if that's something to do as well with be really interesting to know what other people's experience of aging is because of the fact that this is the longest I've ever been in one place. Mm-hmm. And you've been here for 30 years. This is the longest I've ever been, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I kind of yeah. look at my neighbours and I think, you know, they're, they're three or four generations in this corner of the, in the same house, actually. You know, Jean Magnon at the bottom of the hill, his family bought the house in 1900. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, that being able to be reflective in the way that you just said, you know, and now I'm about to start, like, mm-hmm taking the last 30 years and putting it into action, perhaps that wouldn't have happened if you were moving around all the time. It definitely and, wouldn't have. You know, every five years. You... Years years ago, one of my friends said to me, I had just, I, I must have just bought the house. I'd been on the boat for a few years here. I was in my late 30s and just, you know, and just turning 40. And movement was a big part of my life. What, you know, just sheer physical movement. I love to go, love to travel, go somewhere, do something, go somewhere new. Sort of like a, the same friend said, you have a mild addiction to adrenaline. 
which was true. You know, the moving was great. Go, go, go. Um, but he said to me, what would happen if you just stood in one place for a while? I had never considered that. Yeah. Even my family, as we grew up, we moved all the time. My dad was in the military, so we moved all the time. So I never lived anywhere longer than a few years, even into my adult life. So at the time, I kind of poo-pooed it like, oh, how boring, just staying in one place. But it was almost a challenge. And I, I've thought over it many times over the years, I stayed, have I stayed long enough? Do I ever done something long enough? And it's it's been interesting because that wouldn't have been one of my goals at all to stay somewhere that this long, but it's really has allowed me to um, to create things and that in a way that I wouldn't have been, or to kind of continue to revisit things, to come back to them, to repeat them. Yeah. And there's a part of that that I like is <clears throat> as much as I like traveling and moving i think maybe another slow living thing is repetition yeah because when you do something the first time you know you're all over the place you're trying you know like this these cakes you've made it one way you've made it a second way now it's when you make it the third time and then the fourth time and the fifth time it becomes there's a rhythm to that you also filter out what worked, what didn't work, but then it just becomes integrated into what you do without having to break everything into pieces and think it to death. Mm. You can just do, you can just produce. It's not easy to be in that space either. I mean, I agree, like repetition is the art of learning, isn't it? You really get to hone your um, skills and your talent, and you also get to learn who you are by repetition, it's like if you do it once, it's a throwaway um, gesture in some ways, if you do it two or three times. And of course, there's always that moment. That's why it's always great having you as a friend because I'm like the impatient uh, younger Kate. <laughs> <laughs> and you're always saying to me, ah, oh, just, you know, give it time. Just <laughs> <laughs> trying to my... change the wheel. But it is difficult going through, you know, as we've talked a lot, I'm going through a big transition in my own life. It's probably very much related to kind of coming towards the end of my 40s and I'm bang in the middle of the menopause. Um, I thought I'd escaped it and then it came back. And so there's massive changes happening on a big level like emotionally physically the quality of my work and to be still is um provides a sense of like observation clearer observation but my god is it frustrating as well it's like oh i just wanna you know <laughs> well you refer to what you do with yoga as practice, your practice. Yeah. And it's so it's like it's we practice, practice something in a way, you know, if we think, you know, I think of using that word, you practice it because you don't know it or you're learning it, but practicing it in the, this other sense is you're doing it yeah. and you're doing it with an, a, a greater understanding every time that you renew the, whether it's a movement or whether it's a recipe or whether it's 
you know, sitting down at the keyboard and writing, you know, or doing scales on a, on a yeah. piano. You practice and every day uh, that kind of repetition of things lets your mind clear so you can do that one thing. It really is the difference between doing and theory, isn't it? Because it's so it's so easy to theorize. Theorize. Theorize, yeah. yeah, everything. And I felt that in the garden this year because I've often theorized the garden because I haven't really been in it because I've been focused on the house. But now I'm in the garden. All the things that I thought about the garden, they've changed. I don't feel the same in the space. Um, I'm seeing the corners in a different way. And then it becomes a practice. Then the garden becomes, you know, it's like, how do I want to use it? How do I want to invest my time? What's wise? What's a waste of time? It You start having a conversation, don't you, really, which is, you know, what you're saying, I, I suppose, isn't it? It's like we're entering into conversation with ourselves all the time with the way that we approach our life and our work. Yeah, I... I um... I think that the we spend too much time on our own. <laughs> oh yeah, there is that. <laughs> yeah, I think that the you know, there's a lot of noise, obviously, in our lives, and we even living in the rural, quieter kind of way. You know, I'm online all the time. I'm working on a computer, internet. I have people coming and going, so there's a lot of that kind of noise. And doing something like working in the garden whether the watering is really important obviously because you are giving life to the mm -hmm. to keep this production happening but the idea of just observing there's a lovely book um by um a gardener in the uk um i'm gonna do a little publicity <laughs> andrew andrew timothy o'brien and he wrote recently published a book called To Stand and Stare about gardening. Mm -hmm. And it's about you know, observing. It's about observing what's going on in your life and in, in your garden, mm -hmm. not just, you know, making a plan, planting the rose, you know, redoing the weeding, harvesting, watering it. It's observing what's going on and, and learning from that. And, and you know, it's a, not a meditative, it's a real gardening book, but it's a, a different approach to gardening. Okay. And I think that approach to what we do, whether it's in the kitchen or it's in the painting or pottery yeah. or, or, you know, or your interactions with people, to have that observing part. And I think if I do anything, that's certainly my career as a cook has been based on observing watching somebody cook. It's so essential, isn't it? Because it's like, I always remember my pottery teacher, John Colbeck, he always used to say to us, it's the spaces within that count, not the form. Hmm. And when you're throwing a pot, don't just look at the shape. Look around and how it sits within the space. And when you're taking that time, it's like when you're an artist or a painter or a potter or a gardener, it's you can't just be at, in it all the time. You've got to step back from it to see what you've, what you've done or what you need to undo. And what, so the, the, the space between is the, I'm just going to come up here and grab a book because you were reminding me of something a dear friend gave me when I first came here, which is a book called 
um, Timeless Simplicity by John Lang. Creative living in a consumer society. Mm. It's all the things that we're talking no, about. Yes, needing bread. Yeah, the practice of slow living is turning it all into a practice. Turning your life into a practice, isn't it? Well, I see it with my guests. Now my uh, opening and running the, the Relay de Pigeonier as a, um, a, a creative residency, so really uh, just a place for people to come to work, do their work. I'm not teaching them how to cook. I'm not introducing them to the French countryside. Um, I pull back quite a bit so that I'm not my own creative world isn't in meant to be what they're doing but i f i see that the two weeks which is usually sort of the ideal time is not even enough because it takes people more than a week sometimes 10 days to slow down enough yeah. to be productive or to get it whatever it is they're working on whether they're you a film it. producer a writer or a painter a photographer but and Interestingly enough, without being too uh, uh, generationally uh, challenged, the younger people are have a really, really hard time with slowing down. Yeah, and are start and and either. But they're the era of distraction. Yeah, they they're so used to having everything distracted, everything distracting them. They, if you remove those distractions, even though they willingly come to do that, really, really have a hard time doing it. But, and maybe you experience this too, um, we've chosen this lifestyle uh, because something sparked our imagination about this way of life. And I had someone here the other day, you know, I only host for five days. So it's even shorter than, than, than yourself. But it only takes a moment to spark someone's imagination, to see the potential of what's really possible when you realign everything. Mm -hmm. And I had a student who's Australian come recently, and I think it was the second class, the spark went off in, in her eyes, and I just thought, that's it. That's what I teach for. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what you hold space for, right. isn't it? it just, Maybe my teacher always says that one in a thousand of his students actually get it. And it might not, you might not be ready. You know, I'm sure like some of the artists that come on your creative residency, they might, they might want it, but they might not be fully ready for it. And that can be the and, experience. And it takes practice because I, I find that people who have, been on residencies before and that clearly means they're probably a little older or they're more mature artists of, of creative but they've had that experience already they're they're it's they can slip into it easier even though it's a different place a different experience Whereas somebody who's never been on this kind of thing, I would think like going to an ashram or going to on a, you know, to a monastery for a retreat, or if you've never done it, you're going to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what to do or what not to do. And so if you've done it before, you can slip in easier into like, oh, I know, this is when I let those things go and I go forward. So somebody who's not lived in the country and they think they're going to come 
and just see this, you know, idyllic bucolic lifestyle, which they're going to either document or it's going to inspire them. They don't, they don't, they haven't experienced yet that the action comes from them, not from being in the space. It's not just going down a country road. You have to stop to yeah. see what that where that what that road looks like or experience it. Otherwise, you're going down the auto route at the same speed you did at home. It is. I mean, I always think of it a bit. It is. It's very. I mean, this is deep work. You know, we're talking about layers, layers of being, aren't we? That you know, evolve. And some of that is so. It's when the psyche's ready. You know, right. you start on one level, and you've been doing this for many years now. I've been doing it alongside my yoga practice. I think without my yoga practice, I wouldn't have stayed. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm not even scratching the surface. I don't even feel like I've kind of really reached those depths of, in fact, only this year since growing vegetables has it really changed. So you can't give the whole experience no. in one go. It's not a, there's no shortcut for that. No. And I actually can't give it at all. I mean, people, like I occasionally do get people who come wanting to get it from me that whole condensed experience so that they can have it in two weeks. And they, they're the ones that run around and rush around the countryside and do, you know, go every market and do that and go see every village. And the, it's like, they're not, you know, I don't want them to come to be a tourist here. Uh, you know, I, I don't want them to even to go into town for the day. I want them to stay <laughs> in their bloody rooms and work. <laughs> but the idea is that they think that they can somehow take what's taken years and condense it and tie it up in a package and then, then they can go home with that. And that's not the point. It's very... I think that sometimes it's a bit like, you know, when you walk into a crypt in a church where there's been centuries of silent practice, you haven't done centuries of practice, but you can feel that stillness when you walk in. It just invites that quality within you, even if it's just for that moment. And I, and I, I mean, I feel that about this area for, for certain. Yeah, like, I. If you weren't, if you weren't living this slow life, and you know, you weren't so connected to all the things around you, that feeling wouldn't be present at your place but at the moment you walk to your place and and the moment people come here it really is an invitation to stop and rest and see things differently and that, that comes from from me from that repetition from that revisiting yeah from you know everything that we've talked about so far it's like layers it's all of those things it's not a one-shot experience no you can't go and just get a hit of what it's like and then say, yeah, I know that. I, I think in a way, maybe it's a, it's an invitation to, for disaster to expect people to come to plug in. But I've seen it half and half for sure, more than half, people who need a respite from their, whatever their wonderful life is, whether they live in Brooklyn or whether they're, you know, come from, you know, a, a city corporate world or, but they, they need a respite from that and they slot in. But the, it's the people who don't get it yet. I sort of always feel a little disappointed 
but they will. I mean, they will eventually, or they won't. It's not up to me. But I feel like, oh, they missed that. They lot. They if they just stood still a little longer, and I don't mean just stand in the garden in one place. But if they just were open to what they weren't used to. But instead, people are checking. You know, the first thing they want to know is the Wi-Fi code. I think um, that ties in perfectly to number three. Is that all at three? <laughs> yeah, we're only at three. I would say uh, one of the guiding sort of structures or habits for slow living to be able to stand still is that you start um, and finish what you're doing throughout the day because we're so distracted that standing still is really difficult. So if you wake up and make your bed, have your breakfast, wash your bowl and put it away, you're more present throughout your whole day. If you're doing that all the time, that's the practice. Mm -hmm. That when you come somewhere like here, I mean, that's what I'm teaching my guests is to take that back, to take that still, because it's hard to do it. It's mm -hmm. really hard to be consistently, because it means if you're going to be consistently starting and finishing something, something's got to give. You can't be rushing around at everything, and then it makes you see all the things in your life that aren't necessary. Yeah, that's a really good point because I think that that uh, yeah, the finishing of something, the closing of it, even something as mundane as you know, eating, washing your bowl, putting it away, or you know, I, I always think of the laundry as one of those chores that I love because we you know. Luckily, we use a solar-powered dryer for our clothes, so it means hanging things out on the clothesline. Uh, I have a dryer, which in the winter is I need to, but I also hang things up over my balcony railing. And I've, I just like that process because I see it, and when it's, doing the laundry isn't putting it in the washing machine, doing the laundry is folding it and putting it away. At yeah. the end, and that—that's like a chore, but it's also an accomplishment. And it's a discipline. And it's a discipline. And yeah. when I ask people, you know, who stay to keep just they keep track and tidy up and do what they where they're in their living space, it's not because I'm lazy or I don't want to have. I have a cleaner that comes, but I want them to finish to close yeah. something, they've come in, they've opened the door, and then they've done what they're doing, and now they have to close the door, in part for somebody else to come, but to leave it behind. Yeah, And that's a very kind of small gesture of, of finishing something. I guess a lot of people don't do that in their life these days. No. They I mean, roll from one thing to the next. And, well, you've got too much stuff. I mean, you know, you go into a monastery or an ashram, Number one rule is keep everything minimal. You just don't acquire things because yeah. things require work, attention, tending to, and that takes energy. I got way too much stuff in this house. It's driving me crazy. Yeah, it's like well. I really need to do a massive, massive declutter because it's much easier then to put your attention to the things that 
that you really want to nourish and nurture because otherwise, you know, you wake up and suddenly you're like, oh God, I got five jobs to do in the next 30 minutes. Um, and none of them get finished if that's the case. Yeah. So the more, the more you've got rolling and, I, and we're all like that. I mean, it's not a criticism, is it? It's actually um, the way that life is, is, is evolving. And I mean, I'm in the camp, you're, I always admire you for being a bit more of a, a bit more willing to ride into the next frontier. But I'm feeling really resistant, resistant towards things like AI, and I'm just trying to scale back the distractions at the moment so that I don't really have to to take on more distractions. And I mean, I'm saying it only because. I think it's even more precious to try and hold on to a slow life. Everything is about being fast these days. Yes, and the the thing I think that's the hardest for me is to know when it's okay not to do something. It's very tempting to want to go, for me, to go into that new thing always, to see what that's like, to go down the road, and then to get, just again, distracted. But... I I want to be the one that makes a choice. I don't want to be assumed that I have to do that because yeah. that's what everybody's doing. I want to be the one, and that's where I find my, um, um, you know, where I just feel good about when I can say, you know, I don't really need to watch that particular Netflix. I do watch Netflix. I watch a lot of film and TV uh, right now because I'm on the couch, my foot propped up with ice yeah. on it. But I, but I want to make the choice. I don't want to just follow what everybody's doing, what I'm being told to look at, what everybody's talking about. I want to make that choice of what I'm watching. And I want to make the choice of what technology I use. I want to use technology because I like it. But only I like it if it fits in with what I want to do. Yeah. And that's, so having, making those choices is part of that. I think that really as well is possible when you take time to be alone each day because that would be the next one then. Yeah. No, you know, top tip for yeah. for slowing down is spending time, time with yourself and being alone. Yeah, you can have a critical eye, can't you? Because when you, so for example, talking about what you've just said, it, I see, uh, because my work, like your work, is uh, generated through online presence. And more and more, I see replications of a, of a of a mold of it were if you do this you'll get this and for a creative frontier it's such a turn off you know it it it, it doesn't make you creative to do that no. and so i think to be able to hold on to your creativity to be able to hold on to your individual uh, need to express yourself having time alone is absolutely essential because otherwise you're just following the crowd. It's really essential because otherwise you're just, you're always constantly being bothered by other people's noise, other people's energies, other people's yeah. needs. And, uh, you know, I suppose there's a reason the I haven't had a big family. <laughs> the, yeah, the shoulds of what you should do. And when there are people around, you're going to, ha you're going to give in, you know, willingly because it's going to be fun or because you feel obligated to take care of somebody. I mean, I think 
being a good host is equal parts of that. You know, I, over, over the years, have taken care of thousands of people who've been through my doors. And there's a part of me that could only do that because I can turn my back on it, walk away, close the door, and be by myself. Whether it's for a weekend or a season, certainly it's a, been a seasonal life, so winters were quieter or I would go somewhere by myself and to have that time by myself. And I want more of it now when I'm, as I move into this next period of creating these fertile seed, going to seed, I, I need a little dark. I need a little, I need a little quiet time more. I don't need to go to the equivalent of the cocktail party, whatever that is here. <laughs> you know, I, it's nice to see other people and I enjoy talking to other people, but I also enjoy being by myself. I always remember when I first came here and I ran silent walking retreats and it would cause a real mixed um, reception mm -hmm. from people. Oh my God, what you mean you don't talk? Yeah. I mean, it can be frightening to be on your own because you've got the structure of comfort and support from noise and people and friends and relationships and partners and who are you on your own? But that is absolutely the work, isn't it? You know, it's like we, if we don't know who we are, we don't know how to make decisions that are meaningful, that come from a place of love and not fear. And so I would say that spending time on your own moving on from that would be silent walking but spending time on your own is really about loving what you do you discover what you love because you can see what's the salt and the wound that's grating normally the salt and the wound is also the thing that's taking way too much of your headspace and your energy and you're going around stories thinking i can't resolve that i can't resolve that. if you if that's going on then spend a bit of time on your own and then just cut that like you know like like a rose, you just cut that part off the plant and get rid of it and don't waste your time on it and get get clear in the space that you have. Yeah, I think the temptation is always, and certainly for me, processing things out loud, you know, having something to bounce off of. We do this with our, between ourselves as well, you know, talking through something does this, you know, is kind of a commitment to do it. But also, if you do the same thing alone, it's like, you can hear the bullshit. You can hear your own bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't say it out loud. I, you know, I, I feel like I can, I, I can fool other people, maybe. Or I can, you know, I can, I can talk my way in, into and around a situation. But if I'm by myself, I'm much more um, strict about what I will accept from myself. Is like that's not what you want to do, and that's not what you you know you're capable of. Why don't you you know be honest to be more honest with yourself? You, I find I have to be spend more time yeah. by myself. Yeah, you don't lose you don't lose so much time, do you? It's like God when you're procrastinating, which I know is an important creative process, but the procrastination can go on way too long sometimes. Yeah, there's no way to stop it. I mean, there's yeah. no you know clear way to stop it, and you need to. Kind of put little breaks in place so you so you slow down that I, way. I would say part of the 
I think we're on number five. Whether we get to ten or not is irrelevant. Oh, <laughs> it could be part two. Yeah. But the being on your own is also going away on your own. It's, yes, yeah, taking yourself out of your environment, own yeah. environment that you've created into somebody else's environment, which is part of what I'm experiencing now with with my guests, yeah. is that they are coming into my environment and some of them are have it, can deal with that easier than others. Mm. But, uh, yeah, when I take myself off, I best love it when I can go somewhere for about three days then get there in the morning, you know, three or four hours drive or train or whatever, and then I stay somewhere just long enough where I feel like I've shed my daily habits that I do at home. I start to open up. I start to unwind, and then it hits me like, oh, my God, I want to go home because I'm so inspired. I want to do something. Yeah. So that happens usually about three days. I always want to stay a little longer, yeah. but I actually don't need to stay longer. I want, you know, I want to get back. Moment. So that's, and, you know, two days is never quite enough. You know, I feel a little, like, remorse that I didn't stay yeah, long enough. Three, three is the minimum, I think. Okay. Yeah, you really need that. And First day, first day you go anywhere is um, noise. Yes. Coming to the surface. Yeah, you're moving, yeah. that movement. Second day, you're kind of getting used to your environment. And the third day, I would say that the mind starts to settle into the energy of the place that you're at. Yes. And then depending on how much you, you know, like how much you need the you know, staying longer for me that's a vacation i'm not what i'm talking about isn't a vacation no uh, it's just like a reboot where i go that, i remove myself and then i come up very quickly for a new breath of air and i'm ready to go on yeah i i think that also depends on how, how often you do it i always say to guests it's to to keep yourself or in balance every six months yeah. Even if it's only three days, yeah. is essential to get out of your yeah. out of your yeah. environment, out of your habits, and just to refresh your outlook. Because otherwise, it's so easy to become narrow minded and not see the potential and not see a different perspective. And it's what it takes, isn't it? It's like getting on a and train. And it doesn't have to be far, and no. it doesn't have to be fancy. No, it could just um, be somewhere in your look. It could be somewhere here. There's plenty of places here that yeah. I've explored. Yeah. Uh, yeah, plenty. And, and just to be in a new environment that is um, going to just point, you know, point you in new directions. Or it's so easy, joy. isn't it, to say, I'm bored. Mm -hmm. I'm bored of this space, I'm bored of this house, I'm bored of this town, I'm bored of my job. And actually there's something right in front of your nose that you didn't even know existed that's been there all the time. When, yeah, one of my favorite things to do is to go to um, Eugenie Le Bain, Michel Girard's hotel restaurant, three-star Michelin, amazing location. Because I just go for lunch, I'm, you know, often will take, friends or guests there it's a long drive it's like an hour and a half to get there yeah. for lunch and close to two and yeah have a wonderful experience have a walk around the garden i can't wait to get in the car and come home because i'm so excited i've been so inspired by what i've seen in this like short hit and it's it's not 
it's a different kind of thing, but it's that still like going to a new environment yeah. and being in and pulling up what you want, your own creativity out of what you're seeing that you know you can implement that at home. That would be my next on the list. Mm. Savoring the special and not filling the space. For example, not having this need to go out for eating out is a really good example because. I'd rather do something like that than I would go to a restaurant that's just bog standard. I'd yeah. rather savor the experience for something that's really special. And it feels, you just value it more. It's kind of going backwards a little bit. Because I always remember when we were kids, we didn't go out as much as, you know, it's kind of going out as no, people didn't. No, people didn't go out to eat like people go out to eat now four or five times a week. It's easier. Yeah. But it's easier for them and they you know Yeah, but slowing it down so you maybe there's food writers out there that or, or food critics that go out and they're able to maintain a level of um, connection to each and every meal, but less is more. It's that whole approach of um, choosing wisely what you do, doing it uh -huh. less so that when you do it you savour it more. And the, and part of that for me too is the anticipation. So if you don't go out as much, you really anticipate when you do go. And that anticipation is as much a part of it as the actual experience. Yeah. It's like I always think like the first time you do something, you're, you you can be excited and it can, you know, can, you know, get you, your juices flowing. But if you go a second time somewhere and you know it's going to be that good, part of the pleasure is anticipating that. Yeah. So it's like knowing that when you take that bite of that chocolate, it's going to be as delicious as you remember it the first time, but more because you're anticipating it too. Yeah. So having those special places to go, not just doing something new, new, new all the time. My special places have got so small. Um, I, I where do you where do you <laughs> like to go? What's your? I was just oh, thinking, oh, Kate, that's so great. I, I've forgotten. Um, my anticipation has got as small as going to the coffee kiosk at the market on Sunday. <laughs> well, that's very special. I when I did that with you. That was so great. Yeah, I I I could instead a new uh, anticipation it's been a while my, my, my corner has got so small but I've been enjoying the smallness of it yeah but that's part I think that's okay it's very intimate it becomes that becomes an intimate choice you make then yeah I think the anticipation has become more about the I only see this couple at the market on Sunday and they're always so friendly yeah um, coffee's great and love his outfit and she's always happy serving I don't know the names which is terrible but just to see their faces is joyful so it's like the very first thing I do when I go to the market is to go to this couple right and then I work my way around the market so there's it 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 kind of gets me there you know, I never think, oh, God, I've got to go and buy my shopping now. I always think, right, right. It's so pleasurable. Oh, and then you find yourself buying things that you don't really need because you want to see those people always. again always <laughs> like, do i need oh i have some onions yeah, yeah. i need some more onions yeah, yeah. I, and so especially now when the garden really is coming in and producing more i might and you know as much as i've talked about it, i'm the garden is pretty limited in in some ways deliberately 
So because I won't grow the things that, you know, like I can buy from my neighbors so inexpensively, but I, I, but I like to have it at hand. Like I love growing cucumbers. Could just pick cucumber every day and eat it right off the vine. It's so amazing. But I still have to go to the market so I can see my friends or my, my the people that I, I may not know their first names because I've been shopping from them and it's Madame and Monsieur. Yeah. But that's a part of of that experience is seeing those people every week and. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's really joyful. important to do that. Yeah. What's your um, What's your slow living practice for summer? Well, because my I don't have an outside work schedule. Let's say I don't have to go somewhere and work. I'm at home. I break my day in the middle, and lunch becomes. Um, not just for the food, but as a break. So lunch becomes more like, not my day is over, I'm going to sit at the, have an aperitif and have a dinner, which is how I lived for many years. Work, work, work all day, and then now we're going to break and have a glass of wine. So now instead what I do is I, I get up early and I, I have a bit more time with my coffee in the morning and reading whatever's up, news or something. And then I start working and I go full bore uh, until it's lunchtime. Mm -hmm. And that's always dictated because I know I will be hungry and I want some food. But also it's a break in the day. And that break in the day, which will include a nap now, is just a wonderful, and then that, you know, there's plenty of light on either end of the day. Yeah. I'm not missing out. It's too hot outside, as we've said, to do much anyway. And so um, it, that break in the middle of the day then gives me a sort of a second wind in the afternoon mm. to get up like now to do something to be productive and enjoy it and be a little bit more creative with what I do in the afternoon. Yeah. So have, for, so for me, having that midday break, which is very, you know, very European, very, or not, I want to say very non-American. Um, well, it's definitely because of the heat as well. Yeah, it? and every, you know, every Mediterranean country has some version of that. And, like, you know, shops close. Yeah. Um, here shops close for lunch, not for siestas. But I just remember when I went to Italy the first time and shops closed and didn't open up until seven yeah. because it was so hot yeah. in the you know the four to five six o'clock. Yeah. And then I thought, oh my god, what, what do they do then? Yeah. It was. You see, I would say that's my slow living practice: is that I wake and I'm out walking the dogs for sun sunrise, and I'm walking the dogs at sunset, and then I'm going to bed. And that's such it's such a different rhythm to the winter. Yes. Um, the winter is, I probably work much later in the winter, actually, as some, some kind of compensation that I want to get more out of the day. Mm. Um, whereas the summer, I accept that I wake at 5.30 and I go to bed at 11. Mm -hmm. um, but somehow in the winter, I stay up later. I, uh -huh. I get up later, though. Because it, it's not light. It's not light. Then, eight, yeah. eight, eight until 8.30 or something like that. Yeah, moving with the sun. 
That's... Yeah, yeah, and and because in this area at our latitude or whatever it is, the tilt of the sun, you know, we have these really long summer days and shorter winter days, longer nights. It's not as extreme as very far north, but it does make a change. I grew up in a in a, in an area where there wasn't there wasn't even an hour's difference between summer and winter in terms of the amount of daylight. Yeah. So, you know, the sun always sat between 6.30 and 7.30. It also yeah. resets your natural biorhythms. Because you have to. You yeah. kind of really have to move with that. Yeah, the energy between 4 and 6 is like the magic hour in yoga. They always talk about it as the magic hour, the time that re you really benefit if you're able to get up and meditate at that time because the air is the purest, the nighttime has rested, everything has settled and purified, and there's no... Um, there's no sort of entity that's going to disturb your mind. Everything's still at mm. that time. And the same with nighttime. It's like everything begins to calm and and, uh, the, uh, and slow down. And so it's easier to feel uh, the change in pace mm. to, set, to set you into a natural rhythm that's more um, kind, that's kinder. I know another... Uh, one that should go on the list. Yeah. Um, sleep. Yeah. A really critical a part of slow living is sleeping. Yeah. As sleeping as much as slow. When we say talk about slowing down. You're know, best slowing down when you're asleep. And so, if you don't ha pay as much attention to sleep as you do to everything else in the day, so like you're going to be unbalanced very, very yeah. quickly. And because a very fast-paced life, a city life, can you know, as we talk about, distract us from doing things. It distracts people from getting a good night's sleep. And over over the years, over and over and over, I've had people. I hear people say, "Oh, I've never slept this late, or I've never slept so well." It's not because my bed's the best beds, you know. In they're not like a five star, you know, hotel or something, mm -hmm. but because it's quiet and it's conducive to sleeping and we go to bed pretty reasonably and there's the expectation that you are going to be go to bed and sleep and it's and definitely the quality of your sleep it's like if your true recovery happens in rest when you give yourself the time to say right you know i like to have a nap as well but I might not go to bed if I have an afternoon nap, but I'll lie down in Shavasana because I feel replenished from the mm -hmm. experiences. It's taking, um, it's valuing how uh, much you get back from proper rest to be able to sustain you. Yeah, you do need that. And, you, and people don't pay it much mind that they... Their sleep is as important as some of the other things that they choose to do during the day. Yeah, there's too many things on the list. Yeah, people will go to a gym or they will go get their hair done or go out to lunch for a couple hours. But if you say, you know, how, how much attention do you put into your sleep, you know, unless you use an app or you use a machine or something, but it's not a natural part of that, the value of the day. Yeah. And I think it's really, really important. I'm and I always feel like oh, I'm lucky because I sleep well. Usually, I sleep well. Yeah. I sleep. I go to sleep very quickly. I'm usually like 
three yeah. pages into whatever book I'm reading. <laughs> I can't read at night for that reason. I fall asleep. But rest is not in doing, is it? So I, I often hear people say, well, I rested today because I walked the dogs. And it's like, well, you walked the dogs. You weren't resting. You're switched on because you're watching yeah, things. Yeah. It's, it's really – and it doesn't have to be long, 15 minutes. And I think the more – you are mindful of the intention of your day. You sleep better as well. Yes, yes, yeah. Because you give it, you give it its due. It's important. I mean, I notice as I, you know, I'm healing, and my my body is taking a lot of energy to deal with things. I need my deep sleep to do that. So it's not just my brain, but my. I, and I go out like a light, and I wake up like I did this afternoon, like. Oh, yeah, I'm back. Let's go. You know, I've had, but I've had a long, that was a very long, deep sleep, which my mind didn't need, my body needed, though. Yeah. So I let, I have to let my body have that time, too. Mm. And it can be, you know, you know, stretch out on the couch and a rest and read. But I find I'm really better off if I actually sleep. So I go up into my bedroom. I sometimes take my clothes off and get my nightgown on and get into my bed. <laughs> That's when I know. I, I, I was, other times I just lay on the bed. Yeah. And, but really let myself go there. It's that old adage, isn't it? It's not the time that you put in, it's the quality of the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. And if you do four great hours in the day, I mean, because of the heat, because we live in, in, the, in the kind of continental living, so much gets done between six and twelve. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Having an office. Well, you know, if you're going to have any work done, and you have to have an artisan come do some plumbing or whatever, you want them there in the morning, <laughs> not the afternoon. Nobody so. does more than four hours of work round here. Yeah. 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 So it's a good one to end on. Rest. Very good. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. My pleasure. Thank it's you. Good to be back. Yeah, it is choice. good. And thanks, everybody, for being patient with us. We're patient, yeah. And um, the Dames, the Dames de Paradis are still alive and well. Yeah. And morphing and changing and adapting as we all do. Yeah, and I'm uh, looking forward to sharing. And making cake. Sharing the transitions and the changes that are happening next time. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs>